0: Hello, welcome to The Final Swipe, a podcast about healing our hearts and finding love. I'm your host, Nikki Novo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Final Swipe. I'm your host, Nikki Novo, and I'm not alone today. I'm with somebody who has so much knowledge and wisdom for you. I'm really excited to share her with you. Her name is Amelia Naj, which... I just learned that her last name means the great in her in Hungarian, right? Is it right? Is it Hungarian? <laughs> yes. Thank so you. So her honey. name is really Amelia the Great. So Amelia yes. the Great. Welcome. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having the show. Yeah, no. Thank you for being here. So excited to speak with you. So um, Amelia, tell our viewers a little bit about our listeners a little bit about um, what you do currently, and then I would love to hear how you got there.
1: Yes, well, I help women do all the healing they need to do to attract what I call a sacred partnership. No, oh, beautiful. A sacred partnership. So that is a partnership where there's fulfilling love. And a balance, a harmony of divine masculine and divine feminine where the woman feels supported and loved and she's got a man that's got her back and he's in his masculine, she's in her feminine and it just feels good. I
0: love it. And um, I, I I like to call it like the soul-based love, like that kind of love that like your soul and their soul like see each other, which I guess is what you're talking about, sacred, yes. sacred partnership. It's
1: beautiful. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So
0: how'd you get into that work? I'm sure it was all rainbows and butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love
1: this quote, and I don't know who it's by, Nikki, maybe you know, but it's every master was once a disaster.
0: Oh, no, I haven't heard that. <laughs> or, or it's always a disaster, but in train, no, master in training. Oh, I love it. Yeah,
1: so I was a total disaster dating drama queen. Mm -hmm. And that went on for years. I was attracting emotionally unavailable men, narcissistic men, men who weren't showing up in their masculine. Mm. Men that, you know, I would like think it was their fault and tell, you know, think they were like wimps and things like that. And,. Working through therapy and coaching, what I got to was like, oh my gosh, this is my blueprint. This is the blueprint that I grew up with and Mm. I want to change it because there's something much more fulfilling, much more nourishing, much more empowering, that I'm visioning for myself. And what I was visioning was the synergy, this, what I call sacred synergy of like one plus one is more than two. Like one plus one is more than two. And I can definitely say like I have that with my husband. I mean, it's like one plus one. I think I feel with him, like I'm like, I don't know, 50 to the nth degree or something. I mean, it's like, <laughs> we're, like he, you know, he's got his strengths. I got my strengths. We really empower each other. Um, but to be in this kind of partnership, which I call sacred partnership, um, yeah, it was a total disaster. I was a total disaster. And it started from my upbringing. It started from the modeling I received from the media, from the world, from our society, from my parents, from other you know, caregiver figures in my life as a child and things like that. So that's what I had. And I got to shift it. And then I got to go from being a disaster to yeah, I'm going to own it like I'm a master in this now. It's been like mm-hmm. I've worked on it for like 16 years and <sighs> thank God I'm here.
0: <laughs> for real, right? So how um how how was your journey? Like were you kind of learning this work while tr- um you know, opening up to your husband, like, was that what brought you down this path? Were you kind of like, this is not working or, or was there something else that opened you up to your path?
1: Right. I mean, there were so many layers. I think definitely it started with the vision. And for me, I had the vision when I did a shamanic journey. Um, Mm. You know, I guide a lot of, a lot of my clients through get, get connecting with their vision. Because not everyone starts there, but it, you know, I was already doing the work and I was already interacting with myself in my highest. And so it was like, okay, well, what would my highest vision of a partnership, of a marriage look like? Oh, and I, see. I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to not, you know, do it differently than how I had seen it be done. And I think it was just that commitment, like that vision, that determination of creating something new and different and fulfilling that had me move through my own personal work and then now the vision of sacred partnership in the world. And what would that do? Like, who would we be if we had sacred partnerships with the men and the women in our lives, not just in our marriage, but at work with our kids and who would we be? You know, and I think I realized mm-hmm. for myself because there was so much drama and so much arguing and so much like yelling and discord in my, in, in my blueprint, like with the, the partnership that my parents had, um, I was like, I'm never doing that. I'm never doing that. I don't care what it takes. I'm never doing that. And yet I kept doing that.
0: <laughs> well, I think also what happens is that, um, you know, it's like we don't, we don't know how to do what we haven't seen. So it's like, it's hard to say like, "Well, oh, I'm not going to do that. But in a way, sometimes that makes us repeat that, which is what I guess you would call the blueprint. Like you, you you're, feeling is feeling that um, we all have blueprints and we, if we don't like make a new one, we basically are repeating the same blueprint that we have.
1: Yes, exactly. We repeat what we don't repair. We repeat it. Mm-hmm. That's our blueprint. That's what we know. That's how we do it. You know, a good example is like, when you go to the gym and you have your routine and that's the routine you know that's the routine you do that's the routine that's comfortable for you it's like getting out of that routine can be so vulnerable it can be so scary even if it if it comes to working out so imagine imagine like when it comes to actually partnering with someone and
0: bearing your heart and soul mm-hmm And do you? um, So you mentioned that you you did a shamanic journey. Um, I have a what shamanic journey did you do?
1: (laughs) Well, I I was
0: part of a training
1: here in San Diego called the Priestess Priestess Training, which was uh, actually created, founded by Melissa Melissa Seaman. She's also a coach, and I did her Priestess Training, and it was in that Priestess Training that I did a shamanic journey with another Priestess that was drumming, and she guided us through a visioning meditation and yeah, what came for me is this, this, this vision, this sort of po- possibility or reality of like, yeah, I can have uh, this fulfilling deep supported partnership and who do I have to become to draw that in? Like who do I have to become to meet myself there at that point in time and that's at that point in time and space so that I could actually make that a reality.
0: Mm, I love that. I am. Um, I I um, did my shaman training, so I do a lot of shamanic journeys. Someone was like, which one did you do? They're, always so, they're, they're like the funnest part about my work. <laughs> so um, in your, and the drums are so crazy powerful. So I'm sure you had lots of fun with that. It's, it's amazing what they what they can bring us to. So in yeah. that journey, so you saw, you had this kind of, um, this vision of, you know, like where you could go, which I, what it, which is it wasn't a guarantee for you, right? It was just like you could see what the future could look like and it wasn't necessarily guaranteed yet because you still had to live into that, I guess. And how did you like, exactly. what was that, what was that transformation Like, how did you, did you, were, are there some things that that you can point to that helped you through that transformation that helps you live into that vision?
1: Absolutely. So it was a combination of three things that now looking back, I can say very clearly what they are. And these are the things that I teach in my coaching practice to my women. So basically, it was a combination of like healing or what you would call like clearing the slate, like just clearing the mm-hmm. slate, clearing the old programming, clearing the wounds, and then really smart dating strategy. You know, it's a lot mm-hmm. of times like hear women say, and this was also me, like, oh, it should happen on its own. And I'm out there dating, you know, i uh, I mean, I thought I was sort of pretty. I mean, I wasn't like model style, but it was like, you know, I, I got enough attention, so to speak. And mm-hmm. it was like, well, well, dating should should work on its own. Like what what was going on with dating? Like, you know, and then right. it, it doesn't. It doesn't because of the society we live in. It doesn't because of all the instincts that come up between men and women when we're dating, when it comes to mating. It, it's a lot of instincts go into that whole dating thing. And then it doesn't mm-hmm. because, we we have men and women have a really different approach to dating. Women are trying to like connect and start relationships, and men are just like, "Are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the one? Are you the one?" Are you the one? Or it's like, "Are you the one I want to sleep with? Are you the one I want to sleep with?" Or it's like, "Are you the one I want to hang out with? Are you the one I want to hang out with?" You know, so it's like yeah. a really different approach, a really different way of seeing the 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 process, right? And so mm-hmm. you. So so for me, it was a combination of, yeah, doing the healing, then definitely getting some really good, smart dating strategies so that my dating life was nurturing and I was setting myself up to win and I was setting my dates up to win and providing for me an amazing date so I wasn't getting drained. And so it just turned my whole life around in terms of dating. And then once I started to date that way and had already worked through some of the healings that was blocking me... And I can share more about that if you want. But the the third thing was really learning partnering skills, really learning to partner with mm. a man. And mm-hmm. where where I learned that is with Alison Armstrong.
0: Oh, I love her. What did you What you do with her?
1: I'm actually certified by her now.
0: Oh, amazing! I didn't know she did certification. Yeah, I, oh, I started- love her. I love her work. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's, that gave me the tools of like, yeah, you know what? Men and women are different. Our brains are different. We think different. We have a different set of instincts. Knowing this, like approach, uh, allowing this to just be the reality that we live in. What is the best way to approach partnership? And so, you know, she's been studying that for 25 years. So she teaches a lot on, on men and women and, and partnering. And so, yeah, so it was a combination of healing Smart dating strategy and really understanding men and how to partner with them.
0: Yes, because I find a lot of women who are able to. It's not the dating part, you know. Like they can, you know, they can go on dates and all that kind of stuff. But that that the 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 closing the closing of the loop, the, the the closing the deal, is where it kind of goes wrong because it is there is an art to that. To exactly what you're saying that coupling that you know that mating part i don't know if it's mating but like the where we actually couple and we become a partner okay. um some of us like that's where we actually get stuck we don't even know that that's where we get stuck because we mm-hmm. just think like, oh it just didn't mm-hmm. work out but there's actually things that we can do to create space for that partnership to actually form which i find um which i didn't i guess like when i started doing this work i didn't necessarily um I just always thought it was in the dating. I thought it always happened in the dating. But mm-hmm. I, as I worked with more and more women and men, I was like, "Oh no, no, it all—it's there's there's just as much of a of a not a problem, but a challenge mm-hmm. in the actual like coming together than there is in the dating." So that's—I love that you incorporate that into your work. Mm-hmm. So, what are mm-hmm. some like? common wounds that you see or maybe like even just sharing your own wounds that you see that are kind of the the step one, like any that you feel like you see often?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the most common wounds that is up in the, what I see as like the collective consciousness right now Mm -hmm. is really just like our own personal shame. And we, you know, we have Mm -hmm. Brene Brown doing tons of amazing work work on that. We had like John Bradshaw before that talking about toxic shame. But shame is really like, we, we think it's a bad thing. We think shame is bad, but really shame is like the feeling that we've harmed someone. And most of us go through the majority of our lives feeling like we've caused harm. And I'll talk about more about what that looks, what that means. And therefore, like, we don't deserve, we don't deserve this. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve right. our boundaries. We don't deserve our space. We don't deserve the love that we want, we don't deserve the partnership that we want. And so it's a profound journey like to take yourself from you know what, the fact that I am aware of having caused harm, which all of us have because none of us are perfect. And that's actually a good thing. Like it's a good thing to think like, oh yeah, I I have caused harm in my life and that's a good thing that I'm aware of that and it's actually a really healthy thing to feel shame about that. And mm-hmm. so facing the shame and releasing the shame and forgiving ourselves is one of the really important, I want to say like pivot points because it's, it's, we just live in this kind of culture where we're dealing a lot with narcissism. We're dealing a lot with things like narcissistic abuse, and what is that? And you know, a lot of my work has to do with, okay, well, from my research, narcissistic abuse or narcissistic traits are a coping mechanism for shame. And a lot of times mm. what I like to say is well, you put you know, you put meat through the meat grinder, you get ground meat. Well, you put human beings through a shame-based culture, you get, narcissism you know yeah. so we all have narcissism like some of us to to a really big degree some of us not like and you know some narcissism is totally healthy so and narcissism isn't you know like just being selfish it's just being focused on getting your needs met um at the expense of others while being detached from this feeling that i'm talking about while being detached from our Our own sense of like shame. And so Mm -hmm. when we're detached from our own sense of shame, like some sociopaths, psychopaths, some narcissistic traded people, right? Like when we're detached from our shame, we actually are, we've cut our humanity off. And so Mm -hmm. one of the huge pieces is really just facing shame and reclaiming confidence, freedom, and power and facing like, yeah, what is the harm that we did? And in our in our life and can we really own it can we really face it can we really say yeah like i did that and can we give ourselves the grace Uh, forgiving ourselves. Because when we forgive ourselves, we restore ourselves. We restore ourselves to our full capacities. We restore ourselves to life. We restore ourselves to our relationships. We restore ourselves to our our authentic self. And so then we can participate in life as a contributor. We can participate in life as a partner. As long as we're caught up in that shame cycle, and if particularly if we've we've been caught up in it for so long and to such a degree that we've developed a defense mechanism against it so we're not even in touch with it anymore mm. then that is really hard. Those are some of the hardest relationships to, to heal. Like to heal that kind of encounter is difficult. To heal that within ourselves is difficult. But I believe it's up now. I believe it's up now in the in the collective consciousness. And I believe it's up because so much of our world revolves around this kind of programming. Like the media, that are like our, a lot okay. of our social structures in a way, right? Like so much of it is about um shaming us for not being something that we should be and us us like living in this perpetual like trying to compensate mode. Like, what can mm-hmm. we buy to compensate for not being good enough? Well, what can we eat for, co- you know? So, I mean, it's just a whole social and cultural cycle. And so I just love where we're at right now in in 2019 as a society. I love the work women are doing. I love the books that are being written about this. I love the consciousness being shown on these deep sort of dark inner worlds that we have to deal with that keep us, they yeah. really do keep us from not just not just like having a, a good life, but they keep us from really connecting with others. And what I think is the most painful is really being able to contribute to others and receive being contributed to, which is giving and receiving love, which is what we're all here for.
0: Yeah. Oh, so much. There's so much in there. Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, <laughs> no, it is. I, um, I actually, um, got into narcissism work because of um, just a parent and that brought me down like a lot of path as well. And of course, in my work, I see um, I see a lot of women who have been in narcissistic relationships and then that, that creates a certain type of abuse to the person that is not the narcissist. Um, and then that actually is that then um, affects the way they date or the way that they have like other relationships that kind of explain it almost like, it's like you have this little dog who was really kicked and, in in, you know, and, and abused in this family and it was kicked. And every time somebody went to grab it, it would like, you know, get hurt. So of course now you put a dog in a good relationship or in a good home. And if you go and you pick it up, it starts running away because it thinks it's going to, you know, that you're going to kick it. So um, I see mm-hmm. that a lot. Do you, um, do you have any ideas or do you have any thoughts on, kind of cuz some people might have been in the past in narciss- narcissistic relationships but not know it um, do you know like have, have you had any experience with like what that causes in the person Out that was not the narcissist. I don't know the victim. I guess of the narcissist. Oh
1: my gosh! Absolutely. I mean, this is definitely one of my zones of genius, and so many of my clients are dealing with this now. Because, like I said, this is just up in the collective consciousness. So, first and foremost, powerful women. Empath women have to, like, this is just, like, such a common thread between what, you know, what I would call empath and highly sensitive people. And so it's like we are
0: just... They attract narcissists.
1: Yeah, because we're so giving and generous and we just want to, like, support them and help them and serve them. And they just, you know, it's like that saying, like, givers have to set limits because takers rarely do. Right. (laughs) Yes, that's such a good one. It's like we don't know how to set limits. We just want to love and be loved and that's it. And we're still living in that realm. But part of our work now in the world is really, really looking at that power, that power of being highly sensitive, that power of being highly perceptive, that power of having such a big loving heart and being able to wield that with really healthy, really nurturing, really supportive boundaries. Because mm-hmm. when we're giving that away to just whoever, wherever, we're just we're getting drained. We're getting drained. And I I think that's one of the biggest things that we have to look at is like, okay, well what are boundaries? Like what does that look like? And so a really simple thing to talk to, to to like give a little tip is like, well, a boundary is like where something ends and something else begins, right? So you could think of it of like a fence. You could think of it like a river. Like here's the river bank, the river, the the ground ends and the river begins. You know, I mean, like this, we use this word boundary, but it's like so it can be so nebulous. And so when we are an empath and we want to give love, we we want to be sensitive and we want to help people and we want to support them. It is like, we have to understand that we, we are not of service when we are just giving that away. We're actually in in a sense, allowing ourselves to be deceived and we're allowing our sacred power, our vital energy to be misused by ourselves and by another. And this, this is the dynamic that we're healing now because that's the world at large, that is what we're overcoming. We're overcoming the dark powers of the planet. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. dark powers going, you know, that have like seized our consciousness and are working through, we're working through like, wow, we're allowing ourselves to be deceived. And so like the micro is a macro. So what I'm trying to say is I know I've, I'm like trying to say so many things in this, in this interview, but it's like mm-hmm. solving it in yourself, solving it in your relationship is, is like. Chopping it in the mic- right. micro shifts the consciousness on the macro. Yeah. And so with, with, with sacred partnership, it's like what I saw in my life is like war starts in the family. Like if we didn't have war in the family, if we didn't grow up with so much like distress and lack of peace and lack of understanding and lack of love and just feeling so deprived, like a lot of us did, then, then, then that wouldn't be in the world at large. Right. So right. where we have to start is in the family. And where we have to start is with ourselves, with ourselves and in our own relationship and in our own families, right? And so the, the the healing has to do with with so many pieces, but certainly the the boundary would be one of the most important things to look at is like, okay, why am I giving myself away? to this person. And then th- the thing that usually lies underneath that is the shame, the shame piece that we talked about. Well, I don't deserve anything better. Well, why don't I? Well, then we need to look at like, how are we socialized as women? What does our culture? Tell us about our role in society and our value. Right. So there's all these layers. I hope that's not mm. too complicated.
0: No, no, I love it. it. This is all, this is all helpful. Every You know what? Everybody's going to get what they, what they need from this. So we're good. We're just here talking. So speaking about, um, unworthy and feeling unworthy. Any, um, any tips for, because my women come and they typically have, or we do the work to get clear on like what that vision is. Like, what is it that I, you know, really want? And, and, you know, just helping them to feel, um, that they can have a vision and all that kind of stuff. But then once we have the vision, And we're like, okay, these are the things that, this is how I want to feel in a relationship. These are the things that I I need, um, that I desire. Now the next step is feeling worthy of those, of this person, of this type of relationship. Any tips on how to feel worthy for what it is that we desire?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's definitely the big piece. So I think the Mm -hmm. first thing, and I do this in my, I have a program called the Soulmate Attraction Formula. Get Mm. ready for Healthy reciprocal love, love it. Yeah, is that it, like a is that like a
0: course or how does that? Yep,
1: work? yep. It's a course. Oh, okay. I just launched it. I'm doing it right now, and I'll be relaunching again in July. But I'll okay. give you, I'll give you the the, the 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 thing. So when we when when we're looking at like, okay, how do we reclaim our worthiness? How do we reclaim our confidence? Right. We're 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 in that we're in the healing. Remember how I talked about the three stages? We need like deep healing mm-hmm. and clearing the slate. Then we need smart dating strategies and then we need good partnering skills. Mm-hmm. So, this is in the healing part of that three okay. stage process, right? So, that's the healing piece. This is the clearing the slate piece, right? And so, what I find most helpful is number one, we want to look at like what are our blocks and our blocks look like justifying why we're not in a relationship, shaming ourselves for wanting a relationship, mm-hmm. um, telling ourselves stories about why we've had the relationships that we've had that were unfulfilling and and why they'll continue being unfulfilling, right? And so just right, like right.
0: really digging
1: into the, the like all these pieces, um, making other, like being getting caught up in making our exes be wrong or like, you know, I had a woman who she was so hurt by her ex. It was like, well, if I'm just hurt and I never date again and I never get married, then he'll know he he damaged me forever. And it was like this.
0: Oh my gosh! Of course, yes. Yeah.
1: Punishing instinct, right?
0: Yeah. And yeah. they're all
1: subconscious, so it's really like digging in and looking at them. And I find that there's seven. There's seven most common hidden blocks. So, you know, one day we could talk about that if you want, but it's really just digging in and looking at like, what are my blocks? Like, what are my blocks to really having a reciprocal relationship and doing a mm-hmm. thorough personal inventory? And then it's absolutely re- releasing those blocks, how to release them. And, and, you know, I use the Sedona method for releasing, which is really effective. Mm-hmm. And then looking at our worthiness, the worthiness piece of, where do I perceive myself as having caused harm that I need to forgive myself for? And all of us just carry this. And the problem is, is we want to avoid it. And this is the shame piece, but it's like when we avoid it, we never face it. And if we never face it, we never reclaim that part of ourselves. Right. So, so it's painful to face, but it's super empowering. And so it's like, you know, it just takes a little bit of, a little bit of direction and some tools and just really working through like, yeah, this, these are the things that keep me from feeling worthy. And really the word has to do with the shame. It's like, if I caused harm, then we do this lifetime deserving equation thing. That's about all the good I've done plus or minus all the harm I've caused equals what I deserve. And, and we do it. It's a subconscious calculation, right? Like, have you ever thought to yourself like, well, my friend, it's her birthday. What should I get her? Oh, I'll get her like a present that, oh yeah, when, when it was my birthday, I think her gift was probably around 50 bucks or a hundred bucks. So that's what I'll get her.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, has, to be fair.
1: Has that ever happened? Like this sort of like, yeah. Yeah. And that's how we try to equate everything. And it's an internal, actually instinct from, from coming from a hum- human animal side, which is driven to equate. It's driven to equate because in a tribal society, if you're not contributing, you will be like thrown out. And if you are taking more than you're giving, you'll be thrown out. If you're giving more than you're taking, you'll have higher status and you'll have probably like better hunting rights or like better territory or like more rights to mating. Right. And so this is like our instinctive part. And so that part of us actually keeps track like we keep track of when we perceive ourselves as having caused harm and we subtract like every single time we think of ourselves as having caused harm throughout our life and it doesn't have to have been like actual proven harm it has to just be that we think we caused
0: harm yeah or that we we
1: cause harm to ourselves by believing someone else telling us that we're unworthy or we cause harm right doesn't make
0: sense yeah, no, of course, of course. Isn't that that's, that's hilarious that's that equation. we do it? And we plug yeah. that into the equation.
1: Everything good I've done, plus or minus everything bad I've done, equals what I deserve. What I deserve. Exactly. And so we just need to go and look at that and kind of deep down, dig down into... Okay. What are the things in the way? Like, what are the things that are informing my so, quote unquote deserving equation? And really, the idea is, is we can never actually equal out the deserving equation because it lives in the world of like finite. It lives in the world of finite reality. Like, it gives in the world of, it lives in the world of giving, uh, earning, earning and deserving and compensating. Well, really, what we have to do is, like you called it, shift into our, our soul, our soul selves, our spirit selves, where it's a world of giving and receiving. And so in that world of giving and receiving, we actually can give ourselves the gift of forgiveness. And there's a there's a process that we do for that, a sacred process that we do for that. But it's it's a really mm. important one and it's pivotal because it restores our self confidence, it restores our sense of mm. being worthy of our boundaries, being worthy of our needs, it restores our sense of value and mm really the goal is to perpetually restore ourselves because we're never going to be perfect and nor are we meant to be.
0: I love even just the sound of like forgiving yourself. Yourself just sounds so nice. It just sounds like a really nice place to exist in. So you're saying basically I feel unworthy because of these different shames and there some of them are real and some of them are not real, but some of them are, you know, yes, I've perhaps done something quote unquote wrong, but then some of it is just like, you know, I feel shameful because I've had too so much sex or I've, I'm, sh- or I feel shameful because, you know, just things that are, they're not really a thing. So, and then once I come to head with that, I'm like, Oh, this is the reason I feel shameful, whether it be like the media, my father, or because I really hurt my best friend, whatever that list may be. Um, once we kind of look at that, forgive ourselves in many ways, we, um, you know, we're not like all, all good and living our best lives, but basically being, we are, we are no longer held by this big scary thing because we've actually looked at it is what you're, is what you're, is kind of what you're saying. (laughs) Did I explain that correct? Exactly.
1: We're giving ourselves this gift of forgiveness where that actually restores us. I love that. frees us and empowers us and it allows us to start participating in life and in relationships again. Because yeah. the problem with living in shame and living without resolving this sense of like low self-worth or like harm that we perceive ourselves as having caused in life um, that we don't like to think about and we don't like to face because it's shame and shame is the worst feeling. It's the worst emotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of us want to face that. It's like I had a woman describe it like a rock. She said it was like a rock that fell from her fell from her throat to her gut, like it was like this mm-hmm. heavy rock. And then when we were when we were done the, the process, she said like, "Oh my gosh, there was a butterfly in my chest, and now it's flying free, like it was stuck in Aww. a jar in my chest." Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really. Feeling of like freeing yourself from these shackles of of like what what we we, and they're unconscious. Like we're telling Mm -hmm. ourselves we don't deserve this because this 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 and this and yeah, society of course shames us or or like others can shame us, but it's really between us and us because really no one can Mm -hmm. shame us unless we have our own. Of course, we
0: allow it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, like if we we have our own sense of like yeah, we caused harm in this area. Um. Like for example, I had my <laughs> I like went and I picked some l- little like succulent things off my neighbor's yard and mm-hmm. I don't know why I did this. I was like in mommy brain. I was like with my baby in a in a in a stroller and I wanted some succulents and I didn't think he was home and I saw like a couple of budding things that were like falling off the plant and so I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna go plant those and I went and I like picked them off and he saw me and he came out of his house and he's like aren't you ashamed of yourself to be stealing from my lawn and to be taking these things. And I mean, like he has every right. Right. But, but like, I, I wasn't ashamed because I didn't have that inner value of like, I actually was like kind of giggly about it. You know, like I, I hope this doesn't make me sound like a totally like, like, you know, but I was just like, dude, this like, it it didn't shame me. And he's like, and I'm going to keep shaming you because you, you took (gasps) them and you should be ashamed of yourself. And and it literally had like, it, it definitely was a little bit unpleasant and annoying. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, but you, it, were, it you, didn't you were, you were like nice and me, bubbled off from that. Yeah. You like yeah, shielded but, from that.
1: But it didn't yeah. give me that like sinking feeling of shame. Like it didn't touch like that, that place of like, like that woman yeah. described, like the, that big rock inside because I didn't have a value of like, oh my God, I was causing harm. Right, right, you know, right, I right. thought it was it's just so this funny. silly thing, but but if I if I was someone who was like I guess really virtuous <laughs> and was right. like no, you don't go on neighbor's laws, you don't pick plants, you don't like this, yeah. Is not, oh, yeah, this is not right, this is not ethical, this is wrong. Like if that was my <laughs> own inner value, and I <laughs> and be treated that, then really, of yeah. course I would have I would have shame,
0: right? Right, 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 so right.
1: So him and his Amy didn't even really work because I it, there, yes. it wasn't. It, there was no place for it to plug into me.
0: Yeah. But if you had some sort of wound somewhere else and, you know, somebody came at you, it'd be easy to pick, kind of take that on. Um, but yeah, that makes, that makes, that's, so, that's such a funny story. How old is your, give you a, a girl or a boy? She's five now. Oh, I have a, we have a five-year-old too. Our middle one is five, but a oh, boy. Gosh. Yeah. So, okay. I had, let me see. I had other questions. So. What are your, what do you feel are some of like the best, um, whatever, anything that comes to mind dating tip wise, like things that we can do while we're dating to kind of, um, to get going, you know, if we're feeling like, you know, this is not working, um, I've been dating for a while and nothing's really working. Is there any, any, or I've done the, I've done the healing work. Like I've done, I've looked at those, those blocks.
1: Um, any good strategies that you like? Oh my gosh! Yes, absolutely. I would love to share strategies. And actually, I want to offer to the listeners. I have this thing which I'll go. I'll tell you about right now. But it's called how to pick the right guy checklist. Mm, I love it. Called the right guy checklist, mm-hmm. and that is. I have that. Like I have eight of these strategies lift, listed in there. Okay, so
0: great. That would be how, the, do they, how can if,
1: they get it? Well, I'll, I'll, with, I'll add it to our show notes. Yeah, it's a woman worthy of love, mm-hmm. women, com slash the right, the right guy, okay, the great. right guy. Perfect. So this is, these are some strategies that eventually, once I started using these strategies, it made my my dating so, so much easier. And it does this for all my clients. It's like, they're like enjoying it. It's nurturing. They feel it's successful. They're learning a lot about men. They're having good interactions. They don't feel overwhelmed. They don't feel drained. So all these things. So basically I'm going to just share a couple tips. But for example, the, one of the main thing is turning, turning ourselves into a girl an hour before Mm -hmm. the date because most women they want to be in their feminine and they want a man that they feel that that man is going to like support them and cheer them on when they're like doing their thing in life right and they're doing everything and they're successful but he's also going to be there to like hold them when they break into a thousand pieces on the floor right so that is a masculine man right that is a person who is who is an empowered masculine man so when you're dating you have to strategize your dating so that you are dating those men you don't want to be dating mm-hmm. every man you want to be dating those men so the first thing to do is Of course, I'm going to talk a little bit about the actual sorting and how to write the emails. Well, it talks about that in the right guy checklist, but definitely turn yourself into a girl. Like don't (laughs) most of us work, right? Like we work and at work at at the office, we're in production mode. We're in masculine mode. We're in like do, 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 rah, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that for most women, the balance that they're really seeking, what's really most nurturing for them, what's really most fulfilling for them is to get to take that off and be in their feminine and relax and feel nurtured and supported.
0: So So they have to go and do that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So if you show up as a man on your date, you won't be receiving. If it's a masculine Mm -hmm. man, you won't be receiving from him. You'll be like, the energy will be more like an interview or come, yeah. maybe. not even not even I don't even want to bring in competing but essentially you could think of it as like two hunters meeting right and like right. what are they going to talk about they're going to talk right. about what they hunted right whereas like if you turn yourself into a girl if you just give yourself that gift before your date it changes the whole paradigm because now you're showing up in your receptive, you're showing up in your feeling presence and your feminine, and it doesn't become an interview. It becomes like, how do I feel around this guy? Do I like him? Do I feel right. safe? Am I comfortable? Is this pleasant? And those are the things you want to be paying attention to because those are the
0: things you want in a sacred partnership. That's what I talk about all the time. It's the feeling. So basically um, when we show up in our feminine, we um, we give ourselves that time. It ends up being less transactional because a lot of people complain about how transactional dating is these days. Um, but a lot right. of times we don't understand that the, the, the um, you know, the, the play that we have in that, like what we, how we also make that <laughs> transactional and by sitting back, stepping into your feminine, being a little bit more in your feet, being in your feelings and you're receiving, you can, you make it less transactional because you're creating the space for it to be less trans to, to be not to be like an interview anymore.
1: Exactly. And so what does that mean? What does that mean? Uh, turn into a girl now or before the date, it means take a bath, go home, take a right. bath, relax after work, read a book, do something pleasurable, do a yoga class. If, unless it's like power, rah rah yoga, right? Like, that probably won't get you in the fe- in your feminine, but do something relaxing. Do something you love, and that's so hard in our day to day life, but it it can cause such a huge shift in your energy, and more importantly, it will give you access to the part of you that needs to feel comfortable for you to be in any relationship and you want to be in touch with that side of you because that ultimately is going to be the side of you that's going to be deciding the success or the failure of any relationship. Does
0: that make sense? Yes. I love that. Okay. Would, are there anything else that you see that's pretty, um, pretty off in drive in dating?
1: (laughs) Yes. I say run away from your 10 as fast as you can (laughs) What does that mean? That means if a guy is a 10 on your attraction scale, run in the opposite direction.
0: Oh, interesting. Why, why so?
1: When a man is a 10 for us, we will and we're turn like, in- Oh my
0: God, this guy is like so hot. That's basically what you're saying. Like he's just everything.
1: Yeah. Well, and then okay. what happens is our f- female human animal survival instinct has this contort. It has us basically turn into a pretzel. Also, <laughs> like so, We'll we'll just be like, oh, he likes purple eyeshadow. Oh, I'm going to wear purple eyeshadow. Oh, he likes this. And we'll just start right. contorting, contorting, contorting to please him and to be what he wants. That's and so for everyone listening, this doesn't mean you're not a strong woman. This doesn't mean you're not confident. This just means you're female. Oh, this
0: is so fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this chemistry so funny. and instincts
1: will take over. If he's if he's a ten, chemistry and instincts will take over and crowd out any room there may be for spiritual connection or sacred partnership.
0: And um then there's some of us though, because I have a lot of clients who are only a, that, who only go for their ten. Right? That they only <laughs> so like it's kind of this perpetual like um which I think is like a version of self sabotage, like, because the thing is with the 10, with what you're explaining is like, you lose all intuition and self, and self, um, your, your inner like GPS, you know, that, that part of you that tells you your feelings, basically, like your centeredness. So without that, it's, it's impossible for Dave. It's just so hard. So there's some of us that like to only go for that kind of person. So we think we have no intuition, but it's just we're going for this type of person that we're, that makes us believe that, um, that we don't, you know, that we have to go into the press score or whatever. So that's so fascinating. Have you seen people that always go for their tens? Have I seen people that what? Have you ever seen people that always, that are always attracted to their tens, Like that, like only follow, like, that seems to have a pattern of wanting to date the
1: 10? I mean, in my work, I, this is like part of like the the checklist. So pretty much everyone that comes in to work with me has already read this. So they okay. might be like, you know, they might know. be in a place of, I'm struggling to implement this, you know, so then we look at what it is. But it's like, it's like you said, it's like this perpetual pretzeling. That's what it causes. Yeah. It causes you to be a perpetual pretzel. Yeah. yeah. And it's far more important for a man to see you for who you truly are yeah, than for who you think he may like. Because if you're in a relationship and being who you think he may like, which by the way, it's female human animal instinct and it's not wrong. We all do it. We all do it. We all do it. It's okay. We're not wronging this or shaming it. This is just part of female human animal instinct then he's not going to see you. He's not going to know you. And then That's it's a- not going to be a successful relationship.
0: Right. I think that, um so in my work, I have seen that, not that, not that I want to say that there's a a cure for this because it's, it, but I do see some, so to me, the way that I would explain that is when somebody puts um, a person up on a pedestal, like a certain type of, um I know I had like right before I met my husband, I had like my last hurrah, which is like, super hot, um, musician. And he was like the, you know, the 10th for me, but I, um, realized like very in the beginning, cause I had, I had my eye on him for a long time. And, um, finally when we were coming together, I realized, Oh, I have this person like, you know, up on a pedestal and I had already been doing this work. So I was like, let me, let me remove him and like, let me raise myself up so that I can see like, you know, how much I have to offer. And I, by, by doing that, then I saw him for who he really was. And it was interesting. I, uh, towards, towards the, it was fun by like, I mean, it was a total blast, but a few things I knew that this was like, not a a forever by any means. And I also like, not that I was unattracted, but I wasn't attracted the way that I was like from watching him from afar, because um, I had learned to kind of take him down from, from that pedestal. Because when we have that person up on that pedestal, it's like, we don't see clearly like what you're explaining. Like, Mm well, we just, We just don't even, it's like, we just, like you're saying, like our, our body takes over. So it does take, it's, it's funny. It's like, you can bring it down, but typically when you bring them down from the pedestal, you're not attracted to them anymore, which is funny. So, um, that's such a good, um, that's like, that's a great tip. I love that. Any what else is on the checklist? Intriguing.
1: (laughs) Um, so, Definitely, definitely date multiple. Like, we know some cards on coaches call it a rotation. And basically, this has to do with the instincts that we bring as men and women to the process of dating women are so amazing like we try to have connections and we try to create relationships and I see women doing this out oh, online I see them doing it through text and through email and it's like they're draining their energy like connecting 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 with every single man mm. that kind of like pops into their inbox and it's like no, no 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 this is not the first and very foremost thing that we need to do is sort we need to sort for reciprocity and so mm. how do you that is you have to date multiple and you have to spend minimum energy responding to the emails. We're not creating a relationship or connection yet. We're not there yet. We're not there Mm. yet in in a man's mind. And women need to just understand this and like step back, lean back and let the men be like, yeah, this is this is what I, what I'm about. Hey, want to go on a date? Yes, okay, great. And then turn yourself into a girl, go on the date, see how you feel. And basically, there's just, I mean, if you do just these three things, yeah, it will totally change your dating game.
0: Yeah, I know, I love it. So basically, what you're saying is, um, let's say I'm using an app, and um, what I tip, what women would typically do, many of us do, is we get a message and maybe we have like one good, um, little, like, you know, um, conversation and all of a sudden we like zero in on this because we're wired to like connect and we Mm -hmm. kind of like zero, we like zero into this, like one little exchange when at, at the end of the day, like, it's just, it's not there yet. Like we're not, and it's too much energy to put into one little exchange and we And I think to me, that is um, the way that I see that is like, you know, well, I guess what you're saying is like, we almost like we put too much, we put more energy than the person deserves or that the the situation deserves. So you're saying like, if we have two or three, it just kind of reminds us, um, it it helps us like use that, that energy that's like, it's this excited energy that we have, of course, because it's like, we're waiting and we're excited that like, this is going to, you know, that we're going to find love and blah, blah, blah. So we try to take all that energy and put it into this like one exchange. But if we would have three going on or four going on or whatever, we can split up that energy and like it would have other outlets for that excitable energy. <laughs> and that way um, we don't give so much in the in, like too, too early. Is, I guess is what you're saying.
1: Exactly. And just keep dating multiple men. And if you're dating multiple men it, and and just keeping to that strategy, you will be able to, feel nurtured because you're not going to be giving your energy and your time to all these men. I mean, the worst mistake I see this happen, this happens a lot. It's like I we wrote back and forth, 2 months down the line he disappeared. Or oh my gosh, we've been texting for 2 weeks, 3 weeks and um, when we when we finally went on the date, it just was a total flop. And so hmm. date multiple and try to meet them as soon as you can. As long as they're, you know, being reciprocal, and and I talk about right. what that is and how to sort for that, and how to email and text and message for that, but basically, definitely, don't put your eggs in one basket because
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's not that's a it's draining you, b it doesn't lead to any long term positive results that I've ever seen, and c men don't do that; they don't do it that way. Most men. Not every man right. I, I should probably qualify that and say masculine men masculine people wouldn't mm-hmm. you know they're just looking for a connect they're just looking for a date a date okay go on a date oh well I've only been on one date okay five texts and a date don't mean a relationship to them right exactly I mean
0: to, to anybody really um i always i always tell my clients that like but i feel like to me it's, it's energy it's like i have this energy of love that i like i want to give out and it's also some the anxiety that it's like a type of energy it's a type of energy that's like it's been built up to like give into this this funnel of a relationship like we we want to funnel it into one relationship so sometimes it's a lot of energy um depending yeah. on the person so i always tell the person like get yourself a dog, man, get yourself a pet. And like, that way you can use that energy in different areas. And sometimes it's like just too much energy for one person for one exchange or whatever. But if you had this little like a pet that you could love, you can at least put it, uh, put a little bit of it into there. (laughs) So That's that's so funny. how You say that. Oh, there's, you have such great info. What uh, anything, um, you know, anything else that I haven't asked that you think is important to share? I
1: just, want to definitely say like anybody can do it i i think it's i i want to just say like having done the work and having and being where i'm at now and working with so many women and so many other experts it's like we already are naturally programmed to have love, to be in a complimenting slash reciprocal relationship with the masculine, to have divine masculine and di- divine feminine expressing and working together in partnership and relationship. Like, actually, that's natural. What, what keeps us off track is our, our culture, our social, our concept of what that is, like all the m- false messages. Like just like just like for example, like magazines, it's like those clothes, like who wears those clothes, right, like very few yeah. <laughs> who looks like the models, very few people, and so it's kind of this idea of like what we what the idea that we have in our head, if we haven't really dug into the clearing all that away and 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 finding our authentic self and really like looking at the very foundation of like partnership, it's like. All of that stuff is fake fluff it's just put on by our right. by, by our upbringing and by our society and really what we yearn for, what we seek, what we what we what we all deserve, what we all can contribute, what we all can be a part of is actually already there. It's already there so we just need to strip away the crap.
0: Yes, I love that And do you ever do you have your students ever ask like, why is it so hard for me and not for other people? Like that kind of, I feel like that goes along the lines of what you were just saying. Like, why is it that some people struggle in dating and some people do not? Well, I mean,
1: from my experience, I think we all struggle and I think we struggle in relationships. We struggle in dating and we didn't all necessarily inherit these great blueprints. And even if we did, the world, ha- the world is the world. So the world does its thing on us and on what's out there. And what I think is it's a combination of like, we don't really learn about this, right? Like, we don't learn about it in school, just like we don't really learn how to write a check in school, which we really should. So, I mean, that's a whole <laughs> other conversation, right? So, like, if you didn't learn it from your family of origin and if you Can't learn it at school. You for sure are not going to learn it from soap operas and the media. I mean, there's very few even movies out there that depict like sacred partnership between the feminine and the masculine, right? It's there. Like, I would like Avatar as an example, or there's a beautiful message of what that is, right? Like, what that looks Mm -hmm. like. (laughs) Yeah, I see mm-hmm. you. Exactly. Right. So just understand that everybody su- struggles. Everybody suffers. Nobody is a pro at dating. Like nobody was born with like the manual on dating. It's hard for everybody, women and men alike. And even people who say like, oh, well, you know, I married my first husband and everything's great. And and we had a great relationship. and And, and then like that ended or he died. And now I'm out in the dating pool. And it's like, you know, I'm sure your relationship wasn't perfect either. I mean, I'm sure you had right. struggles, right? So that just speaks to the nature of the work and the nature of the the, the general self-inquiry and attitude that we'll want to bring to the conversation of having intimate relationships and what that looks like. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I really buy into this idea that like some people struggle and others don't. I think everybody struggles.
0: And I also think some people like what you think is a good relationship. Like I may look at a friend and be like, Oh, but she found her person so quickly. But it's like, yeah, but is, but is it a sacred, you know, partnership like you're saying, or is it just a partnership? Like, you, you know, like that, that I think also you have to kind of look at that as well. Like what you desire is probably is something deeper. And there are other people that are coupling it up, cupping, coupling up, but aren't necessarily as deep or soul-based as as what you want. So for that reason, it may seem easier um, or, or less of a struggle or less challenging, but it's only because it's, it's not what you're... It's something different than what you're talking about. And I think that's yeah. why people compare. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and people do couple all the time, just to couple and just to not exactly. be alone. And just exactly. to be with someone and just yeah. for other reasons than, you know, I want to create this really... Really amazing sacred union, and it's like okay. Well, you still can create that. You can do the inner work and 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 be a space for that to blossom, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I don't think in our culture we live in in constant contact with that truth and reality of us just because of the world we live in, right? right, right, right.
0: Yeah. Oh, Amelia, thank you so much for all. This. I'm sure this is going to be very very helpful, and I I appreciate you taking the time being here with us, can you tell our listeners um, how they can work with you, how they can find you, what's the best way to connect?
1: Yeah, you can find me on womanworthyoflove.com. So one woman, womanworthyoflove.com, or if you just Google worthy of love, I'm sure you'll find me. And feel free to read my blogs and go through my website and just learn a little bit more about anything else you want to want to know about and you can also book a complimentary what i call love and confidence breakthrough session so you can do that there and you can also um opt in for the pick the right guide checklist which which has the tips that we the dating tips that we talked about it has those three plus another five.
0: Oh, nice can't wait to hear what the other five are <laughs> um, I love it thank you so much and we'll make sure to keep, um, to share all of that in the show notes so everybody can just click on over so thank you so much Amelia for being with me today and looking forward to many more conversations and thank you for sharing your wisdom
1: thank you Nikki thank you so much for having me
0: thanks so much for listening for more guidance on your journey to the final swipe please visit me at NikkiNovo.com